0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. Got a special episode for you guys. Got James Arcelino from the Black Hole Banter, founder of the Black Hole Banter, I should say. What we're going to be talking about today with James is about the DBs in training camp, as well as a little preview of some training camp battles, talking about who's going to be on the bubble. But first things first, James, how are you doing, my friend? Excellent, man. Thanks for having me
1: on. Nothing like starting your weekend off with a little bit of Raiders talk. Absolutely. Jose,
0: how about you introduce James to the people for us? James is my man, dude. Another Bay Area guy
2: from Oakland. I mean, I can't really like say I'm 100% in the roots and everything, well, even though I'm a peninsula boy, James knows I'm over here living a in the peninsula town in South San Francisco. But um, nah, man, James, I've been following for like a good like few years now, and cause part of it just I actually saw I remember just when I was really getting like in the thick of just talking more football on Twitter and being exposed like nationally, like just like to, you know following just like random people and stuff like that. Came across James of a good friend of mine, uh, Terrell Brown. And I saw him tweeting each other, and I was like, "This guy actually has a brain, and it's on Twitter. <laughs> what the hell this is such a thing?" And then, like, I listened to his podcast plenty of times with with the uh, Q, and like, both of them are just like, "Dude, they just they just know football. They don't let the they don't let the, they put the this back home in the closet, and just like, you know what, dude, let's just keep it real, which is, I appreciate it. And he keeps it real because I know even even if I didn't listen to him, I know he keeps it real because he's from the Bay. He lives in yes, sir. so he lives in Oakland. So I know pretty much me and him. Like I feel like just reading from his tweets, listening to his podcast. I'm like, God damn it, me and this guy are so similar. And it's just really just like a big culture thing. So I, I had to bring this guy on. and I'm so excited we finally brought him on to talk ball, but just to talk to him in general, right? Right? So James is a cool ass dude. I appreciate this guy. Hey,
1: I appreciate you, man. It was an excellent introduction, and happy to be here. Um, yeah, man. We try to keep it real on, on Black Hole Banner. We try to do two things. Number one. Uh, we try to admit to that we don't know what we don't know. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out here who try to act like they are the mm-hmm. be-all, end-all knowledge on, on football and that there's no conversation to be had, but we like to have the conversation. Um, and number two, like you said, man, we we, we don't homer. You know what I mean? We'll call right. the Raiders out uh, if they make mistakes or they make bad moves, um, and we'll call ourselves out when we, when we have wrong opinions. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, we try to keep it real, try to keep it honest, and, and try to keep it fun.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah for real that's i mean that's a big part of what we do too and i love that you guys you put the hand up when you're wrong you know i feel like you got to take the good with the bad i love that about you guys
1: oh no doubt no doubt <laughs> yeah. and we've been wrong plenty of times <laughs> <laughs>
0: it and it's never ever personal
2: either that's the thing like it's just like dude it's just sports talk like honestly like if you think mine's is wrong or yours is better then it's like that's oh, no big deal whatever and then whatever if we get proven and cool yeah like it's a nice little showboat but like i would never go as far as like some of these people take like so much <laughs> personally so that's why i love just like talking ball like both you guys and like once again like why we brought james on so um james i saw you recently you recently started up a little like cooking channel on like twitter and instagram spoon and knife <laughs> man i've definitely i followed you on instagram because i want to see the pictures you know maybe sometimes tease me maybe get some <laughs> ideas because i know i love to cook you know, I, I like some meal preps here and there and just make some like nice like pesto chicken or whatever I can whip up in the cover that's there So, um, can you enlighten us on like what that is about with like get people on here to follow you and what? What drove you to creating such?
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate the plug Um Yeah, so people follow me on Twitter probably know uh, my mom passed away a couple of years ago And it was a real big deal for me. She and I were incredibly close and I was her uh, caretaker as she was passing away um, and yeah. so you know, one of the things that um, we were we had a strong relationship around was food. You know, ever since I was a little kid, um, I was a little sous chef in the kitchen. She would always teach me how to cook and have me help her out. Um, and so, you know, to this day, I, I cook every day, pretty much. Um, I cooked a couple of things this morning before even hopping on here. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. It's a, it's therapeutic for me. It's, it's a um, you know it helps me remember my mom. And it's something, you know, I like, I love feeding people. You know what I mean? I love having my brothers over. I love having my friends over. I like I like feeding people and showing my love through food. Um, but I've also come to realize that, you know, a lot, a lot of people didn't necessarily have that, right? They didn't have someone who taught them how to cook. Uh, maybe they can do little things here and there in the kitchen, um, but they can't do what what I do and what brings me so much joy, which is being able to just, you know, constantly make some bomb-ass food and and uh, uh, feed the little fatty inside of me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I wanted to try to, to give other people the gift of what my mom gave me, which is just you know, a love and appreciation of food, and also the ability to cook and make that food. Because you know, like one of the things I posted the other day, um, the the one of the great things about cooking at home is you can you can eat some bomb ass food, some shit that you can't afford to eat in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But if you make it at home, you can afford it. You know what I mean? You can afford crab and lobster and all that shit if you're not paying all that middleman price. So um, you know, I want to be able to give that to other people and have other people be able to enjoy food the way i do um, even if they don't necessarily have the means to be going out to fancy ass restaurants and shit
0: that's awesome man yeah i know i've checked it out i'm uh what you would say culinarily deficient i think i just made up <laughs> a word there but that's, uh, that's a
2: good word that's a good, uh, <laughs> i like it i like saying it saying
0: that i cannot cook to save my goddamn life exactly that's i'm going with the pc way jose <laughs> but yeah no i mean it's awesome you got everyone go check that out it's uh Cool thing that James does with his mom. You know, I got a lot of respect for him and uh, know that's a tough time. And that's pretty cool that you have that to be able to connect with your mom uh, even after she's passed, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. So I appreciate you guys plugging it. And yeah, if you want to check it out, the website is thespoonandknife.com. Um, I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I throw up some pictures every now and then also. So yeah, check it out and come talk to me about food too. Wait, James, I got to know. What did you make this morning? Ha! <laughs> Um, so, uh, I did some apple butter that I started last night. um, Oh, the apple butter? What the hell? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's the weekend, man. Gotta have some nice sweet stuff in the morning. Um, I prepped some stuff for dinner tonight, um, and I've got some bread in the bread maker cooking right now to, uh, to have after. So my wife is coming home from a trip, so I gotta have, I gotta have the food proper and ready for her. That's That's awesome, dude.
2: What's up? I want to go to
0: Arcelana uh, um, Restaurant. <laughs> yeah, James, what's your address? Where can we go to come get this food? <laughs> yeah,
2: <right. laughs> hey, man, I'm just a Bart right away. I'll Uber. I'll walk. Whatever.
0: I'm oh, saying,
1: like I said, I love cooking for people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Later, right.
0: Hopefully down the line, but we got we got uh, some football to talk about, right, Matt? Oh, of course, of course. So <laughs> first topic of business, as much as as much fun as talking about food is, I think most people are here for the Raiders talk. I think first order of business. We got training camp coming up in about two weeks, a little bit less now. Obviously, we're gonna have some battles. We're gonna go through the positions. Jose, we'll start with you. Who are some of the guys that you think have the most to prove heading into camp?
2: If honestly, if he didn't have like solid ties with Paul Gunther, off the top of my head, probably be like Vontaze Burfic for example. Maybe if somehow even like you know think about it, who was just a good running back, DeAndre Washington, a few years ago, dude, he was like a baller yeah. in 2016, and since then he couldn't find it. Um, I know the system changed twenty seventeen or yeah, twenty seventeen did not help. And last season, like, he was pretty much like just a walking skeleton. Um, you wonder how it's gonna work now. I mean, I know Isaiah Carell is injured. You know, you pretty much figure, okay, Josh Jacobs, no duh. He's a mm-hmm. reigning dark he's a reigning horse that's gonna drive the offense for the running game, plus throwing a little mix of Jalen Richard. Um, who else do you got? Um, I think DeAndre Washington might have a chance. No, not Chris Warren. No, come on. Don't, don't, <laughs> not not the not the not the muscle muscle chubby hamster, but actually speaking of that, I forgot Doug Martin. Yeah, he's yeah, the Doug he's, Martin. He's pretty much the lock, so you pretty much have the three-headed monster And running back by committees. typically by three running backs. It's not three or more. It's typically by three running backs. So the fourth one is DeAndre Washington going to get on there? Yeah, probably. But then you think about it—you got the fullback. You're gonna keep Keith Smith on there for sure for special teams purposes and even some formations on offense. Are they gonna keep DeAndre Washington? Is he needed? Uh, I don't know. You're gonna keep you're gonna keep more than four running backs when you know you want more like offensive line depth on your team. You want more receivers in turn. So it's gonna be interesting. So DeAndre Washington really needs to have not only just to prove it in, in a training camp, but preseason, man. You you really want to come up, and I'm and I'm kind of rooting for him. Because what I saw from him just in 2016 and even some portions in 2017 was just awesome about him. He definitely has the skill, but is he going to be able to – because I remember last season he actually had an injury in training camp and lost a lot of reps. I was yep. actually shocked that he stayed on the roster. So we'll see how it goes for him, and hopefully everything is able to, like, skyrocket from them. James, what about you?
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I think, I think really running back comes down to clearly Jacobs is making the team, right? He- He's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be the main guy. Um, it comes down to Richard, Warren, and Washington. You know, <clears throat> I think fans are much more excited about Warren than anyone else is. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, but I do think it's going to be an open competition. And the reason being is that Jalen Rashard has had some real issues with, with ball security. Mm-hmm. And that's something that John Gruden takes incredibly seriously. So while I think he's shown more on the field and an ability to be a more of an impact player, um, especially in recent seasons than Washington or Warren um, those fumbles are going to work against him and work against him in a big way. So if either Warren or Washington can show out in uh, training camp and preseason, I think, I think Richard is vulnerable, you know, I think it's his job to lose, but it's, it's nowhere a lock. You know what I mean? I think um, those, those fumbles, which were frequent last season um, they're, they're going to be on Gruden's mind. And if he, if he fumbles in training camp or he fumbles in the preseason that could lock his uh, lock him out of this team. So um, we'll see, but you know, I think it's a little more open than many many um, many others think because of that fact. I think that's a big deal because we saw after those, those fumbles, he lost a lot of touches from Gruden during the season. And, and so uh, it's a really big issue for Gruden. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I think with last year too, um, you know, Rashard was only the real, was the only real receiving back. Whereas with Josh Jacobs, part of the benefit with him is that he can catch passes and he can run routes out of the backfield. So in a little bit, Richard loses a little bit of his niche a little bit. You know, I mean, obviously he can still make the team and he can still have that role. But James, like you said, you know, if those fumbles become an issue, it's not like they don't have another option as a receiving back or DeAndre Washington can also fill that role a little bit. Not quite as good as Richard, but it has another option that they have for him.
1: Yeah, that's a great point um, because, you know, Marshawn, they tried ball in the air last year and it just wasn't his forte. You know what I mean? It's just not not his strength, but Jacob's. He's going to catch a ton of balls. He's not a guy who has to come out on third down, on third and long. Mm -hmm. He can pass, block, and he can catch out of the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great point because, you know, Richard is a little bit viewed by many as a little bit limited, right? He's much more of a pass catcher than an all-around back. So if they see a guy like Washington who is a little more all-around, maybe he's a better better backup for a guy who's more of an all-around starter also.
2: And that's why I think a little bit I want to give the edge to, like, DeAndre Washington making the team. Hopefully he does. Because he can, he has demonstrated he can play that little like receiver out of the backfield a little bit. So, and I feel like, like, dual threats, running backs like that, that's literally the only way to like be a value back in this league. Now, like, if you're just like, oh, yeah, he's good between the tackles, but pretty much all we need is a good offensive line, we can plug anyone in there, you know? That's why Melvin Gordon, I highly doubt he's going to get that contract (laughs) from the Chargers. Yeah. So think about that. Doug Martin, he's not a pass catching back. I mean, he's more just like, oh, yeah, let me just get in between the tackles. And, you know, speaking of fumbling issues, that guy had a little little bit of the little bit of the butterfingers last season so at least like if you have jacobs and richard out there you know you got two dual threats you're going to be so confused like oh crap who 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 am i manning up on what's he, who's going to do what are they both going out are they going to faint or what is going to be a screen you know a lot of confusion so at least you got washington out there who I'm once again rooting for on the bubble at least you got like so many backs it's like god damn it they have so many weapons i could just like do so many things and that's pretty much what, like, offensive, at least what I would hope Gruden thinks about, you want offensive players that are insanely versatile. You know, you just look at the receivers that they have, that freaking even Tyrell Williams can run from the slot, for crying out loud. Antonio Brown, we know what he can do, everything. Um, Hunter Renfro coming in the slot can even play outside if he has to. But they have a nice, they have a nice like, core of versatile players. And you do that, and then you're able to just move chess pieces around and just confuse defenses because, you know, plays are pretty much one pre-snap now, but... Yeah, that's that's pretty much my player to pick
0: it up for this training camp in the next coming weeks. I'll ask you guys this question, and maybe it's more towards Jose, but you know, obviously Chris Warren is was the fan favorite of preseason last year. I'm just curious, what do you guys think he has to show this preseason to add <laughs> on to what he did last year in order to make this team? I mean,
1: all around everything, right? He's gonna have to show that he can do a little bit of everything. And you know, I think one of the things that's gonna be you know, isn't sexy to talk about, but could be a deciding factor is pass protection. Can you stay back there and help keep Carr clean? Um, you know, I think John Gruden is going to rely heavily on the run, but he's also going to be big on the pass, too. He's got those weapons. He's going to want to go deep with, with guys like Antonio Brown. You know, who is going to be able to be the guy who can come in and relieve Jacobs and pass pro?
2: Yeah, I think for sure. pretty much a lot of the nation, a lot of the nation pretty much, like, I noticed once the draft started coming up, and especially after the draft, Chris Warren, who? Because it got Josh out <laughs> yeah. Everyone finally yeah, shut it's up. It's like, hey, you know what the Raiders said, John Gordon? Here, chew on this bone and shut the hell up. All right? That's pretty <laughs> much what they said once it got good. Ever since, like like I said, the weeks leading up to the draft and after, I haven't heard a single thing about him. But all February and even almost all of March, Chris Warren. Chris oh, Warren. future. My, <laughs> God damn it. I just got, what? So, I've even seen James a couple times, like, getting into people, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, we got Chris Warren. Don't worry. He's like, uh. Let's not put all our eggs in one basket and actually, act, like, elevate him to starting status as if he actually was on the roster last season. He was on the practice squad, not the roster, right? And the fact that no one wanted to poach him from that practice squad means something. Well, then again, actually, now I remember that they put him on IR. IR but yeah. still, he lost a year, so I was putting a lot, a lot of hope into one guy. Just so much... We're just, I think it definitely just stems from we're just so used to having no one on this team that fans <laughs> convince themselves point. that everyone is the player. Like, ah, this is the guy. That's why so many, like, especially fans around the Bay, like, yeah, this year's our year. Every year's our year. Like, no, it's not. There's some years that are washes that you just need to develop and prolong your future success. But that was a nice little funny little <laughs> tidbit that we had there.
1: Well, it's oh, funny yeah. with Chris Warren. We, like you say, we see this a lot. We see Raiders fans fall in love with the preseason guy. And I think a lot of it's to the fact that it's been a shitty team for so long that you look for any reason to be hopeful. Um, but it's interesting in looking at him because he had a great preseason. But you need to understand what that means and all the context around it. And I think Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus did a good job of putting his preseason into context in that he was not touched for almost an average of three yards past the line of scrimmage uh, during that preseason, which means he got amazing blocking. He had huge holes, and he never had to deal with a defender until three yards after the line of scrimmage. If you get those kinds of holes, shit, I'm gonna put up good stats, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I said, that's a thing, and that's so true. Yeah. you kind of gotta understand the context and how that happened and, and what was going on. It appears that the Raiders had a far superior backup offensive line than other teams in the preseason, and and um, Warren really benefited from that. Now, that's not to say he can't be a good back, but it is to say that you know preseason can be deceiving. Just because a guy balls out in the preseason doesn't mean he's gonna be good in the, in the
0: actual NFL. Yeah, and I mean. I- I kind of felt like last year that Gruden almost kind of mocked his preseason a little bit. You know, I remember he said (laughs) one of the quotes was, yeah, I think Chris Warren got us the preseason rushing title. I don't know. And then you hear, I think it was back in like March or whatnot, where he's Chris Warren's complaining about the coaches telling him to put on weight and whatnot. It's like you I get the feeling that like like Jose's talking about a lot or you guys or James, you hit on it, too, is it's the hype around Chris Chris Warren does seem to be more within the fans than people that are actually making the decisions. Oh yeah, definitely. That's how it always that's how it's
2: always been, you know. That's why you, <laughs> that's <true. laughs> it's just always just like, oh yeah, let's give this player a chance and all that stuff, you know.
1: Unless it's, it's Reggie Nelson, then it's the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let yeah, me get this uh, let me scratch that. Every young player. Alright. <laughs> Every young player that
2: potentially are like, how long were we waiting on David Osberry for crying out loud? It's
1: so hey, I was guilty of that
2: too though. I actually thought Osberry was <laughs> gonna <be laughs> good. I just liked his last name,
1: Osberry. <laughs> good Osbury. last name. I was an Osberry believer. I'm willing to admit when I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey man,
2: it's all right. At least you didn't believe in uh, other other people out there, so maybe that's potential quite week. But no, <laughs> you know guys um since obviously like I'm, I'm i like to be think viewed as like i'm a huge like cornerback guy i'm almost like biased with db so i had to put throw this last little last little player in of who really needs to have a good training camp nick nelson i mean come on this is the I first time one well, the first time cornerback group so in depth i mean i personally don't think it's all as talented as everyone thinks it is i mean definitely it's talented there's there's how I see it is uniform talent all around. There's actually depth, there's quality. It's not a lot of standout talents, but you know, together it's like, all right, there's some nice little it's it's nice and solid and firm. It's not like a little sandbag. I mean, it's not like spiky like in terms of like there's all stars on it. But you know, with Nick Nelson, how is this how the hell is this guy gonna see the field? I mean, you pretty much they're saying they're gonna play Marcus Joyner in the slot. Once again, I don't think he's gonna be there full time. I think they're still gonna move him in formation on the top and let him play some safety to not be too predictable. And then obviously we know Gary and Conley's mending that anchor, and then whoever, whoever it is between Worley and Tr- Trayvon, I think it's gonna be Worley. But regardless, then you have Mullins, and then after that it's gonna be Nevin Lawson, who's also a solid corner. How the hell is Nick Nelson gonna see the field? I mean, he's, then he's also competing with Isaiah Johnson, who they just drafted. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> Nick, where are you gonna go, dude? I mean, honestly, last season he got derailed once again. With the starting of the season, he he got injured, but then when he did, when he was healthy. There was a lot of games he was healthy scratches. I remember I would go to the Raider games, look up in the scoreboard, and be like, huh, inactive. Why is, why is he being healthy Healthy scratches when your team is trash? This is the time to throw all your young pieces. Let him get burned. Let him get dogged. Let him learn. So that's uh, – and I remember last preseason, we're talking about preseason heroes just a minute ago. Nick Nelson was one of my preseason heroes yep. last season. And we all know preseason, no one's scheming. It's pretty much just like body on body, talent on talent. And he actually did pretty solid. I liked what I saw. I was like, oh, he's pretty cool. He's nice, has some nice coverage plays. And then even in the ones he got regular season, he just looks shot. So, And right now, I just don't see any way for him. He's really Honestly, this season, I see no way he makes the team. Um, If he does, I see no way in hell he makes the defense. I mean, the only way he makes his team is because he'll be a useful special team's body. But he definitely needs somewhat of training camp, uh, a freaking preseason, maybe
0: even a prayer, guys. <laughs> yeah I mean I think we talked about it before where it's not a good sign when you're drafted one year and then the next year they draft two more people at your position like mm-hmm. I'm a big Nick Nelson fan part of that was because of I liked what he did in the preseason and I liked what he did at Wisconsin but I think you're right like it's gonna be a big uphill battle for him you know Isaiah Johnson gets the leg up ahead of him just because he's the new guy there he's the new toy that the coach is gonna want to play with you know the coaches kind of already know what they have with Nick Nelson. You know, what I hope uh, can happen for him is, you know, I know what you were talking about, Jose, is with the preseason, it's kind of more lining up, not a whole lot of scheme for him. So I'm hoping then his struggles in the regular season were maybe not as comfortable, not as confident in the scheme, not as comfortable with Gunther's defense, and hopefully year two can help him out with that. But again, it's... Not gonna be an easy fight for Nick Nelson. He's gonna be. He's gonna have to find his way on special teams, really. Well, in terms of drafting, how many gra- corners they
2: in his defense of like drafting like two corners this draft. I mean, you, you can never have too many corners. You know, obviously yeah. we know it's a passing obviously, league. Yeah. You always need corners, and then even if you did draft a few solid ones they all became all pros, like how long do we think the Chargers are gonna keep that amazing at secondary? Not for long. Mm-hmm. There are some eventually they are gonna be asking for money, and you can't pay. You can't, give top, you can't give corners these top-notch contracts anymore. You're better off just drafting and developing now. So, with his case, I mean, you know, especially last season with the Raiders, pretty much half of, their, half of their freaking roster were a bunch of, like, old, like, gray-haired men at that time, you know, <laughs> with arthritis in their knees and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, they definitely needed to get some new juice, new blood in there. I mean, yeah, dude, I don't know how he makes the team, but, I mean, James, <laughs> what do you think?
1: Yeah, so here's the one thing I'll say, man, and I'm going to go a little bit... A different direction than you guys on this. Um, John Gruden doesn't like rookies. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? True. Historically, he has not enjoyed playing rookies. You know, on one of the rates. reasons he gave for not playing Gary and Conley last year was that he looked like a rookie. Um, I would, I understand why we're all on the hype train with Mull and I am as well and we all expect him to be playing significant snaps, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we end up... If Nick Nelson has a solid training camp and uh, preseason, if we see him jump Mullen and we see Mullen not get serious snaps until later in the season, you know, and and we start the season with Nick Nelson a little higher on the depth chart than anyone would expect it. Because again, I think the, the, you know, the point of you can never have too many cornerbacks is on point because I don't know that John Gruden is going to want to re-sign Gary and Conley. It wasn't his guy. And he Mm -hmm. may be wanting more money than John Gruden wants to pay. Daryl Worley is only on a one-year contract. It very easily by this time next year, the top two or uh, perceived as the top two corners, outside corners, I, I think Marcus Joyner is a top two corner, but he, he plays inside, are not on the team anymore. And so suddenly, you know, Nick Nelson is not as, as crowded of a cornerback room and you need Nick yep. Nelson, and you need uh, uh, all of those guys, you know. So um, I think part of it is hedging your bets because I don't think that they're completely sure they're going to keep Conley and Worley around. Um, and part of it is, you know, I, I think that Gruden maybe sees these guys as being, bigger players further down the line than week one. You know, whether that's this season or next season, um, I just wouldn't be surprised if he went with the guys with a little more a little more time under their belts to start the season. And that's exactly why he needs to definitely, like,
2: at least have some development, take it up some levels, this training camp and preseason, and use that, because this league no can't waste time. You definitely can't just bullshit around and just, like, oh, yeah, just a little <laughs> around. It's like, come on, no, dude. You got to hit the ground rolling, you know, just like the way this – First quarter of the season's got to start. This team needs to hit the ground rolling because of all the elite opponents they have. So yeah, that's that's just a fantastic point, James. He definitely doesn't like rookies. I mean, Matt knows. I'm all, I'm always saying like, you know, John Gruden straight up just likes his veterans. It's why he brought Incognito to play guard. He doesn't want he doesn't want to wait for development. The fact that he has to wait for Colton Miller probably already drives him nuts. <laughs> so that's why after the season, if like if he doesn't see much in that and offensive line protection, is crap. Then maybe even before the season ends. Hey, cable. I'm going to di- I'm going to T V now. I'm finally cutting the cord. <laughs> so in that sense, I mean, yeah, Gary Colley wasn't this guy, but and then maybe Trayvon Moly will probably get kicked off for a veteran. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see because those players were his and Mike Mayock's guys. So how's he going to view it now that, okay, this isn't Reggie's guy. This is our guy. We liked him. Are we going to like him? Are we going to like him enough to put him in? That's when that's, that's why I, I can't wait to see how this season gets treated because a lot of last season you can tell, like, oh, he didn't want to play those those other cats because he, he viewed them as young. But more so I think I viewed it as, like, 70-30 in favor. He didn't play them because they were Reggie's guy. And he probably couldn't take knowing that, oh, I'm always getting shit for playing people that aren't – my guys like you know tony dungy we know about yeah all that crap i'm not going to bring up <laughs> and how is it going to be with this one oh yeah this is reggie's team he's, he's a good coach but he's doing it with the reggie's players so of course you know he's a big ego guy so obviously he wants to know like i built this shit i drafted these players and i coached it boom you yeah. know that's how it is and that's what kind of sucks about big ego guys and i hope he's still is able to learn from last season, you know, you got to adapt, dude. You can't keep trying to force triangles into circles, all right? So, I mean, try try to figure it out. That's what you are, your coach. To figure it out, that's why you get to pay the big bucks. Not to just be like, (laughs) just keep punching a wall and seeing until it cracks. Like, no, you got to finesse it, all right? You can't be just running your head into a wall and just hoping some shit happens.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I think, you know, I agree completely on the ego issue, but I I, I am concerned it's more than just ego, too, because – I don't have confidence in John Gruden's ability to evaluate players. Part of me is concerned that he legitimately didn't understand how good Conley could be. Yeah. They didn't, you know, legitimately thought that he had better options when he really didn't. And so that's one of the reasons I really am am thankful and hopeful about the addition of Mike Mayock. I think Mayock has a better eye for talent and understanding mm-hmm. of of evaluation of talent. And in addition into that, he also has John Gruden's ear in a way that Reggie McKenzie never did. So um, oh I think what we saw last season, a lot of the problems were, were John Gruden not having anyone to check him um, because I, yep. I really believe that his resume shows he is not a good talent
2: evaluator once again James on the same page yep he's not a good talent <laughs> evaluator and like I thought it was insane that people thought he was really gonna listen to Reggie McKenzie like dude just fire him and bring your own person in so the fact the way just judging from the way free agency went in the draft you could totally tell oh dude night and day Mayock definitely has a hand in it I thought Mayock was still gonna be a cover face turns out I was wrong and he's actually they're actually working like more like a partnership it's still Gruden that's in charge, of course. But, yeah, man, he's not a great evaluator. And that's why I'm so glad he has out there. He could be like, what do you see that I don't see? You know, so, hey, look, this is what I'm saying. And I'm always a proponent that we know that these head coaches, they don't really, like, have their hands on the whole team. They pretty much have a specialist. Uh, Gruden, we know, is the offense. The fact that he was meddling so much with the defense, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Come on, you're stepping in a realm you don't really know. I mean, how can you evaluate, like, these players, especially on defensively? You know, you're barely having, a, you're barely having like, a, a, a decent enough outing as it is on your side of the ball. You're going to go ahead and go tell Conley, oh, you can't play? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> do you not know what happened last season? You know, he swore he watched the tape in all of 2017 and then came back to 2018 and just did the same shit half the time. You know, that's why we didn't see play action. So, hopefully, that's we're going to see that. But that's beyond the point. But, yeah, James, it was... Just glad we're turning the page to this season and just hopefully everything works
0: out. For sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I think there's some good reasons to be hopeful this season. I think, you know, you got to be careful about your hope and not go too crazy. But I think there's some good reasons to be hopeful. All
0: right, we got to move on. Talking about the defensive backs. So, Jose, you brought up the question of which position group has more talent to them. The corners or the safeties? I'm curious for your take first. Yeah, because last
2: week we did talk about, like, did we think, because linebacker, like, the weakest group, and we all had a debate about it. So I'm over here thinking, <clears throat> I've been writing plenty of pieces this year already, and after everything, collective thoughts, between safety and corner, they're arguably, to me, the top two position groups on the defense. Crazy as hell yeah. to say, right? When the hell has that happened with the Oakland From Raiders? A long like, since 2017. Memory? Dude, I can't even remember when the last time the Raiders had corner or safety as even one of their best strong strong assets, so... Don't get me wrong, the defense, it's cool. It's not as solid as I want it to be. I still think they're going to have some issues. If they're somewhere middle of the pact overall, I feel like that's a huge win. But between the two, the safeties and the corners, you know I feel like the consensus, at least from what I see on Twitter and articles being written, is that there's a lot of love and hope for the cornerback position. I get that. I know every year we always have some hope. Cornerback, oh, this is finally the year, you know. They all have uniformity. We're finally tired of seeing – we're finally we're finally, <clears throat> going to stop seeing the quarterbacks when their back's behind, <laughs> behind the ball, you know, like that, like they're about to get frisked by the police. And for those of people that can't see me, it's pretty much raising your arms and just when the – you know, just, oh, yeah, pass interference. Oh, great. How many times have we seen that? But it's got to be the safety position that really is the better, more equipped, and that's going to be like, in my mind, the heart of the defense. It's not going to be linebacker. It's not – going to be the it's not going to be the front four or any of the pass rushers it's going to be the safety position at least that's how i view it because the way paul gunther likes to use paul gunther i feel loves versatility more than gruden does at least just from viewing him from his like just from his recent years of how he likes to plug and play players and just the way his players are, are saying it out from like just his just from their conferences they're saying, like, oh, when you're in Paul Gunther's defense, and this is coming from all the safeties, like Abrams said and Carl Joseph, when you're in his defense, there is no strong or weak safety. There's not even really a really position. You're just, what can you do? And whatever you can do, I'm going to move you wherever I can, which is awesome. Coaches, you should have that. Every coach should have that if you're game planning. So that way, that's why I do not do not believe that LaMarcus Joyner is going to be a strict slot corner because if you do, you once again, you're going to be utilizing what kind of masking formation you can have, swing him from the top, maybe drop him last minute, you know, Abrams can swing around. Carl Joseph can swing around. Eric Harris, he can be moved all around. And then you have whatever the ladder is that can also move around and like tinker with. So, safeties, I feel like they're going to be so clutch, especially because we talked about last week, uh, Last week, Matt, that with the linebacker group, they're not going to, they're not going to be, we're not going to be seeing that much of them. We're not yeah. going to be seeing that much of them. They're going to be more of like a box safety. So, Carl Joseph is, we're going to be more in there and Jonathan Abrams. So, um, that's, I mean, how, yeah. I, that's how I'm thinking and just, in that terms, like, just big nickel. So, I mean, I just think it's going to be the the crux of the formation. So, I mean, like, James, I'm not sure how you're viewing this or if you even think those two are even the strongest suits. (sighs) Uh,
1: Man, I mean, I I believe strongly in cornerback. I'm going to have to be convinced on safety. I didn't like the Abram pick as as much as many others did. I really hope I'm wrong on that. Um, I am a believer in Carl Joseph, but I also believe he's been used – poorly in most of his career, and I'm not necessarily sure that they're going to figure out the proper way to use him. Um, I like Eric Harris. I think he's just a solid backup. Uh, You know, I think Joyner, if he was playing safety, it would make me feel stronger about that group. But my understanding is he could be mostly just a um, slot corner. So in my mind, I'm very, very high on Gary and Conley and LaMarcus Joyner. I'm not so high on everyone else, but I think there's a lot of potential there. So I do think that corner is going to be one of, if not the strongest groups on, on the Raiders defense safety. Like I said, I'm not convinced of, but, but I'm also not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be bad. I'm just not really sure what to make of that group. Um, But I, you know, I actually think that Cleveland Farrell is going to make that D line a lot better. And I think the D line is going to be a much improved group this season. I don't think it's going to be anywhere where we need it to be, but I think it's going to be a a group that is talked about in much higher regards than any of us expected it to, um, you know, heading into the off season, given, given the state of the D line heading into the off season. So um, I'm pretty high. I also like Max Crosby. I just, I'm pretty high on what they do with the D line. So I really think it's actually going to um, be a fairly impressive group this season. I think Hurst is going to take a step forward. I think uh, Hall is going to take a step forward. And so, um, I actually think that's a group that's going to be discussed as one of the better, better units on the defense.
0: It's funny, uh, James, I think we're on the same page because Jose was a more of a fan of the Abram pick than I was. And uh, I was more of a f- fan of the Feral pick than he was. So I think we're on the same page a little bit here. I do think, you know, as regards to the safety versus cornerback uh, discussion, you know, I, I would personally give the upper hand of the safeties. But part of that is uh, I kind of view Joiner as more of a natural safety. You know, James, I, I know where you're coming from. He's going to be playing more corner. Um, so I guess it depends on kind of how you look at it. I think with corner for me, what is slightly concerning is I think there's a lot of potential there. But it's still a lot of young, raw talent. Like Darrell Worley is the, the veteran of the group. But even here, I think what he's coming into his fourth year, you know, and it, he's not exactly a proven commodity to me like Joyner is. And I think, you know, you know, I do think you have a point with uh, Joseph and whatnot, but I, you know, I do see the talent there. And I think he has been, you know, he's been one of the, been the highest grade defender for, for in PFF grade wise for the Raiders for the la- last few years. And then as far as like the defensive line goes, you know, you, you hit it right on the nail, right on the head. If I'm going to argue the strength of the defense over one, Jose and I are talking about this a little bit, you know, I I might say it's that interior D line. You know, you talk about Mo Hurst and P.J. Hall. You know, Justin Ellis has been a solid run defender. Is you know they've had they've had a couple guys there guys in the middle that they can really rely on it to stuff the run and whatnot. But I definitely like I'm definitely hopeful with the D line, but I I would put it in the category like corner where it's it's still a little young and raw right now.
2: I mean, I see where James is coming from for sure. Like cornerback, like I'm actually feel like you know this year might finally be the year. But they really need some development and just going on forward. I just feel like safety, just more so, they're going to be the better of it because of how they're going to be used. And like I said, we're not. We're, there's going to be like one linebacker at a time during passing downs, and there's. I feel like there's going to be at least three safeties, more so four, every time they roll them out.
1: I don't. I don't have strong feelings on the safety group. Like I said before, I, I just don't have the confidence some other people have. But I'm. I'm hoping and praying that I'm wrong. That Abram turns out to be a great pick. That. Um, You know, they figure out a way to use K.J. right, you know, and and, um, that is actually a position of strength. I'm just not really convinced of it yet. But I I do think that being said, uh, the defense can be better because I I think I probably am an outlier in terms of how I feel about the defensive line. So, um, you know, overall, I think we are in a much better position with defense moving forward than we were last year. Yeah. And actually, like,
2: I'm not saying that I'm a huge lover in Abrams. I just feel like they pretty much said, Carl Joseph, we're not getting you. And it's the same thing that we just talked about, James. Gruden doesn't want – he wants his player. <laughs> and he literally drafted the same guy. Just because Reggie McKenzie got Carl Joseph, I mean, they're the same height. I mean, I'm not sure what the difference is. Maybe Abrams, I feel like, might have a little bit better in coverage. But then again, that's probably because I haven't seen Carl Joseph actually played coverage enough in the last, like, four years we've seen him already. So it, that's how – that's the pretty much the case how it is for that – once again, it's just all about formations for me and how the use is going to be. You know, Abrams and Carlos Joseph. If you throw them out there, it's going to be so confusing. The same way, how if you throw Josh Jacobs and Jalen Rashard in the offense, what who's going to do what? Are you are you on defense? Who are you going? To, are you blitzing? Are you covering? Are you just spying? Are you gonna? What are you going to do? So the fact that they have all these pieces that can do all of this like masking is going to be good enough for the defense to actually have like a I think a cool twenty nineteen because once again. I'm not a believer in the pass rush. Um, I don't know if you know that, James, but Matt knows uh, the only have, <laughs> all they have all throwing out is first-year and second-year players. It's not going to be conducive to a good enough pass rush. I mean, it, it'll definitely be better because, once again, as Matt alluded to, h- how much worse can it get? Um, <laughs> but the coverage, hopefully you hope that gets better. You know, you got some people that are going to be pushing. You actually got more, like, well-rounded talent out there. But overall, I, I, I'm not too hopeful of the defense. will be better. But at the end of the day, it's uh, the defense is going to be just, it's just going to be there. The whole coattail is going to ride on this offense. Yeah. Real
1: quick, let me ask you, Jose. What, what do you think about the um, the defensive tackle group? And maybe this is maybe this is me being a little bit of a homer. You know what I mean? Maybe this is me not not checking my love for the Raiders. But I feel like this defensive tackle group is. is uh, I don't want to use the the term elite, but I think it's, I think it's top tier. I think it's, I think it's high caliber. I think Justin Ellis um, is, is, you know, for what he brings, which is primarily just run defense, primarily just block eating. He's great at it. I think Jonathan Hankins is a guy who's a beast. Um, and I think, you know, Maurice Hurst and PJ Hall are two guys who bring a pass rush element that, you know, and, and this is obviously relying heavily on me, assuming that they will continue to improve and continue to develop but those four to me, that's, you know, I always for for as long as I can remember, I have been begging the Raiders to get a defensive line rotation, not just a nice starting four, but a deep rotation um, that where you can move guys in and out and not drop off yeah. a lot of the talent level. And I'm seeing that at defensive tackle. And, and maybe that's getting me to be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit too overzealous, a little too helpful, a little bit too high, because um, obviously defensive end it, it needs some help. But um, you know, those those four alone have me feeling really good. So I'm curious what you think about that, and if you think that you know the pass rush from the interior, because everyone talks about the like, interior pass rush. That's how you that's mm-hmm. how you stop Brady. That's how you stop Mahomes. It's the interior, right? Um, right. If that's true, I think we we I think we're we've got we're in a good place. You know. So I'm curious what do you what do you think about you too, Matt? What do you guys think about um, that defensive tackle group? And, and am I am I crazy? Am I am I just way too Homer right now? No, you're not too crazy. You're not too
2: <laughs> Homer right now. But um, I think maybe a little bit a little bit is being sold too high on those other players that you mentioned like PJ Hall for example I mean I know I know Matt likes to talk about Jonathan Hankins who is a solid player and I forget about oh yeah Hankins is a solid player like at, overall that interior defensive line is probably the most hopeful but I understand there is depth. There's finally more quality. There's finally more rotational players because we know like you need to shuffle in and get fresh legs. That's pretty much what interior D-line. That's how you get consistency from that play. You know, this isn't Madden where everyone's fatigue is off and shit. So in that case, you know, Maurice Hurst I'm excited as hell in year two. Um Hankins, cool, he's a veteran player, get in there, he'll get some push. Ellis cool a veteran player get some push. PJ Hall. Uh, I want to see more. I'm not sold on him yet. You know, I, I was sold on him a little bit heading into the year, but it's like you start seeing him. I mean, of course, you know, rookie growing pains. Um, I'll just wait. I, I, I'm going to reserve a little bit more judgment, so I'm not going to – I feel like I don't want to, like, have a full-on opinion or even an, an analytical view on him yet because it's like, you know what, Sh- show me more. Show me more, and then, then we'll get to where we're at. But, no, interior defensive line is solid. I just feel like they're a player away – you know, which is me, me, me and Matt talked about during the draft, like a Quinn Williams or even an Ed Oliver that could have got kicked inside or moved around that who I wanted. That would have been, I feel like you put those in the mix, that defensive line I've been so excited for. I mean, once again, it is still first and second year players with like a couple of veterans around here and there. I'm just not so sold in the fact that, you know, we have Max Crosby, Arden Key, Clint and fair on the edge and such. And you got Maurice Hurst in the middle and, you know, all these – a few other veteran plugs, you know, we're really going to rely on all these young pieces to be, like, you know, the, the pass rush to, like, really, like, significantly change it. I mean, maybe that's not the goal to significantly change it. Maybe it's like, oh, we got eight more sacks, which is like, cool, eight more sacks. But last year you had 13. You didn't even average a goddamn sack a game. Like, how shitty were this team? <laughs> so that's how bad it was. And so you're, you're turning to, like I said, very young little pups to do that. So it's all interesting about that case. What do you think, Matt?
0: Yeah, I mean – You know, I talked about a little bit, Jose, between the two of us, you know, I'm a big fan of Hankins and a big fan of Ellis, you know, both those guys are really more run stuffers than pass wrestlers or anything. But, you know, I I agree with you, James. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think they can get a decent rotation like you're talking about. You know, you can go with Ellie and uh, Hurst and then swap out Hankins and PJ All, and you're not having too terrible of a drop off. So I'm hopeful for the D-line, you know, I know. There's some skepticism, and you know you're you're justifying your skepticism, Jose, with so many young players. I guess I, I'm being a little more optimistic. I I, I like the guys uh, that that we do have, and I think this year this unit can be much improved. But uh, as we said, it can't get much worse. <laughs> it cannot. All right. Well, we'll just wrap this up real quick, fellas.
2: So go a little bit of the sentiment route. I mean, James, of course, you're well known. Oakland, above all, that's why you switched your at name, which I thought was very dope. You know, it's, like, cool, especially, like, the last year. Like, me, me too, man. I've just more so, like, like abandoned my fanhood. It's like, you know what? Fanhood's not even a thing to me anymore. It's just, like, I just feel like so many of us are conditioned this way just to be, like, just to put it above so much of other values that we really need a priority. So it's, like, when people say loyalty to a, to a team, it's like, eh. You know, and being that you're, you, you live in Oakland, I mean, you have two teams that are leaving, obviously the Raiders and the Warriors now in a few months so i mean just just that fact man i mean enlighten us just any perspective on that
1: man it's it's rough being an oakland sports fan right now and (laughs) and it has been for a long time to be honest because even even before everyone started leaving it was was terrible teams for a long time this it's almost surreal enjoying this warriors run um you know because i i grew up going to warriors games and the entire stadium was empty you know what i mean so yeah um you know, it's been it's been wild enjoying that. Um, it's tough seeing the teams leave. Absolutely. I understand it to a degree. That stadium needed to be upgraded. It's it's old and crappy, and, and things need to happen. I understand business is business. It's not personal. Uh, Mark Davis did what he felt was best for his team. The city of Oakland did feel what they felt was best for their city. Um, but as a fan, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. We are a very proud people at Oakland, <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed. Well, we, we love our, our, our Oaklanders. It's why we all stand so hard for Marshawn Lynch. Um, and we love our town, so it's tough. Uh, to lose teams, and even even though the Warriors are still in the Bay Area, just going across the bridge, let me tell you, uh, uh, there is a big difference between San Francisco and Oakland, and we <laughs> do not view ourselves as the same. Um, yeah. And and you know, and so um, it's tough, it's brutal as a fan because we we really do give our hearts and souls to these teams. Um, but it's also part of life. You know what I mean? It's just a sport. It's 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 something that's supposed to be there for fun and entertainment. And If you let it get you too too deep into your feelings, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So. Um, trying to take it light, trying to just enjoy, you know, treat it for what it's worth, which is entertainment and and something to, um, you know, uh, bring happiness in your life, not upsetness and frustration. And, um, you know, it is what it is. And and thankfully, the A's are going to stay in the town and we'll have one team. And, um, you know, but regardless, we're still going to be teams or no teams. We're still going to be telling everyone in the world that we're the best city in the world. And that's just the truth.
2: (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, you heard it there from the one one Oakland native that we'll have on this show, unless we get more, hopefully. (laughs) I'm not... I mean I'm Bay Area native, but right on James. Appreciate you so much for having you on, man. I respect the hell of you just your grind just in daily life. I know how it is. And just your work with Black Hole Banner. Good to see that back with Q. Looking to get him on eventually down the line. I gotta talk ball with that guy. I love that I just love what you guys do. You know, I view you as one of my cool friends on here that was just strange on Twitter but but at least, at least you're across the bay. So later down the line, <laughs> the of the day, we'll link up, get to hang out, do more of stuff than just talk ball. So
0: appreciate yeah,
2: the hell having you on, James. I can't
0: wait to hopefully have you on again in the future. No doubt. Yeah, I'd love
1: to come on again. I really appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Yeah. Where can the good people find you, James?
1: Oh, no doubt. So on Twitter, at OaklandAboveAll. Um, and from there, you can find my other Twitter's handles for the other blogs. Um, but, yeah, come say what's up. Come chat with me, and uh, go Raiders
0: awesome yeah. Jose where can Just they find nice. you at J underscore 21 let's go people and then you can find me at holder 95 follow the pod if you're not already at sweet fly send us in topics we're still looking for some some stuff we want to give the people what they want all right fellas until next time hey love